Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm really fortunate to have Brendan Brown. Did I get the name correct? Yes, sir. Yes, I did get it correct. So, uh, Brendan, can you tell the audience at home just a little bit about yourself and where they can find you online? Absolutely. So, I am Brendan Brown with Blue Tiger Wellness. I am I'm on all the major social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, and also Anchor with my own podcast. Uh, but I also have uh, different social media uh, setting for my astrology and cosmology business, but it is under Blue Tiger Wellness as well. And I do have a YouTube channel and also on Minds, uh, as well as uh, other, other platforms as well as Blue Tiger Wellness. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you were having a conversation with me online earlier today on Facebook and we're sort of asking questions about massage insurance. Can you dive into your concern about that for a bit? Sure thing. So the concern was, uh, was diving into the practice of collecting, uh, collecting fees for professional liability massage therapy insurance, while certain states and certifying boards are have essentially uh, made it illegal, uh, not illegal, I think I'm misspeaking here, but it basically uh, the state of California that I practice in has, has basically stated that they're following shelter in place orders for the COVID-19 pandemic um, and have made it so that if you are practicing massage therapy uh, at, at any time while the shelter in place order is intact, that they threaten to, uh, to revoke your license um, or your certification at, for the, at the state level for practicing during these shelter in place orders. Um, and it just dawned on me like, uh, you know, during the course of paying for this massage therapy, professional liability insurance, that if they're gonna still be collecting fees at that level and also on the certifying board level for massage therapy licensure, that uh, potentially could be considered, it could, it's arguable that it could be considered extortion. Um, it's a bit of extreme, I think, at some levels. I think you could probably prove that it isn't. So and that it's it only extortion when I do it to you. It's not extortion when the government does it to us. Okay, got it. <laughs> like no it's like let's let's be honest about it like mm -hmm. you know like and it depends on how you define those terms but like that's how i see it it's like right now and this is a very testy time in america people are having problems just like i'm having problems you know lowe's and home depot are open small mom and pop hardware stores you see what i mean do you see where i'm going with that it's a, weird, it's a exactly. weird scene to like figure out because again, our situation is a little unprecedented. And I know we're talking about this little window in a specific industry, but the politics that I see in this little industry, if you expand it to other industries and then nationally, whoo, it smells. <laughs> it definitely does. It kind of smells and I'm, I could be making a leap there to saying extortion but I don't think it's too far out of the realm of being provable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's interesting because the, the actual company, and I won't name names uh, specifically, uh, although we could only guess who I was talking <laughs> to, 
um, <laughs> was uh, the lady on the phone I was talking to. I was I was very interested to see what her take on it was, just as an employee of this company, right? And she she said uh, that you know, and I and I went the route of during these uncharted territories, we you know we. We haven't. We, this is unprecedented waters, and we're you know we're we're all in this together, kind of kind of thing, which kind of disarmed her a little bit, which I'm which I'm glad it did. But basically, she said, "Well, gosh, couldn't we all just use a, a massage right now? I might have to go black market on this to go underground with it to get that yeah. relief." And and something a part of me really really came out when I. And it's interesting because for me, I was practicing massage before a license because I wasn't being paid to do so. Like it was for me, and I'm sure for for you too, Robert. I'm sure because your passion is is massage uh, and much more than massage um, in a sense. But uh, for me, I've always was that person in in the party that people would go to and be like, Oh, you know, I got this kink in my neck. Like, can you just like, I know, I know you're really good at this. You seem really, you know, able to, to do that for me. Could you just take a look at my shoulder? And I would just be like, sure. You know, um, I, I was always doing massages for people before licensure. And so to me, the idea of, well, you got to be licensed in order to collect payment for it was, not like an alien kind of uh, uh, idea because I knew how regulation worked in other industries. Uh, but yeah. I just, not to, not to belabor this any more than it already is, but I, I think we're starting to see that this, this, you have to get licensed in order to make a livelihood um, and you have to abide by the, you know, regulations at a national and a state and local level thing starts to get hairy when you start talking about livelihood um, and being able to put food on your table and to be able to have shelter over your head. I, I think it rings really true to being able to care for a person when you started going into massage for, for those reasons to help care for people. Um, something wasn't sitting right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a whole complex issue, and I take a lot of flack for being against massage regulation. And every time I mention that in the podcast, I have to go, okay, I think speed limit laws are bullshit. But I know if I speed, I can get pulled over and get a ticket. It's the same basic thing. Like, I don't necessarily agree with massage regulation, but I have three licenses in Texas alone. And I had to file and pay a fee of $100 to be a CE provider in Louisiana. And I have to deal with 50 sets of regulation in the United States alone, not to mention potentially other countries. That's why I'm against regulation, because it slows down the process of me dealing with education, which isn't even really the practice of massage. It's like selling information as opposed to doing something that would harm someone. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So like in Louisiana, just to give you an idea, so there, I have a massage license in Texas. I have a massage uh, instructor's license in Texas, and I have a massage CE provider's license in Texas. I have all three of those. 
To be able to give Louisiana therapists credit, I have to file for another license, give them information about my classes, and then every two years, I have to renew that license. Then in Texas, when somebody takes my class, I keep a spreadsheet that I'm told to by the state that keeps record of the fact that that student took class with me. I have to keep documents and records on my clients. I have to keep... Um, documents on who took classes with me. Make sense? Now, what happens when somebody from Louisiana comes into Texas is I'm supposed to have that information, but now I have to go to Louisiana State's board's website, and I manually have to report that student took my class. It's not enough for me to give them a certificate and they give it to their state board. Does it make sense? Yeah. Now, yeah. it seems like a small detail, but when you're adding all this additional clerical and infrastructure on top, it's like it makes everything inordinately complex. So I'm uh, in addition to those three licenses and then a CE provider in Louisiana. Every other state has different rules that I have to research. Every, mm -hmm. every other state, like uh, you're in California, correct? Correct. Okay. So just for... for just for thought here, if I go to California and teach a class where you are, can I legally give you a session of what I do? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't say legally speaking, I, I don't think so. But I mean, I think, I think, I think you can because the, the laws are, are not about that. Uh, I don't want to say, but you you should be able to to teach what you're teaching, but not a way. I can teach legally in in most states, and here's the difference: in like I can go to Louisiana and teach a class to anybody, and yeah. anybody can take my class. But for me to give them CE credit, which the therapist won't take my class unless they get CE credit. Well, that's does it make sense? So the thing is, like, what it is, is like, I would go to another state and I couldn't give students a session. So what I had to do was I had to make a three hour class and give you a certificate for class because legally I can put my hands on you and demonstrate in class, right? Got it. It's Got like, it. in other words, it just makes everything more complicated, everything more complex, and people just don't think about it. It's like, in America, land of the free, place of liberty, you got to have a license to cut hair. And if you come in and start doing braids, if you're a black person and you just do braids, yeah, they'll make you go through school and spend $20,000 learning all the skills you have to do to be a hairdresser. And they're going, but I just do braids or work on dreads. I don't so, cut hair. And so it's I like, get it. yeah. 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 Yeah, I get like So in order for people to to get credit for their continuing education, uh, they take your class and then you're able to be a CE provider. Um, so it was easier for you to go the route of, in order to teach, um, but in order to practice in other states to to just be uh, going through this, this route. Okay, I understand now. Well, because the marketplace I'm teaching, which are massage therapists, if they don't get CE credit, they don't value what I teach because the state has to stamp it for students to consider it to be worth anything. 
I have an online subscription service that it's, I've recorded every class I've taught for two years. Mm -hmm. The consistent question I get was, do I get CE credit? And I go, I just recorded everything I do. And I screen share, teach you social media, teach you body work, mat base, table base. And they're like, do I get CE credit? Because they've been trained by the state to stamp that license on things. So a student mm -hmm. from Louisiana does not want to take my class unless I can give them CE credit. So what I have to do is I have to jump through additional hoops. In addition to having those three licenses and a license in Louisiana, I have AMTA membership and ABMP membership, and I'm a nationally certified provider. All of those cost money. That's then true. with the National Certification Board, I have to submit each, uh, each class that I give students CE credit for. In in all in all for in in all really for I mean it's it's not just bureaucracy it's that it's that it is only valuable because I can mark it as a CE so that I can continue to practice as a massage therapist in whatever state that I want to practice in right yeah I mean it's it's a weird situation it's kind of like um, I, I I talk about it as like being a mechanic. So what qualifications do you need to work as a mechanic, car mechanic? Right. You need to you, be able to fix a car. <laughs> you got, yeah, absolutely. You got to know how to change oil. You got to dispose of the oil correctly. But you gotta, if you have like certifications, like master certifications, sometimes people might, you know, think that's, that's great or whatever. You know, you have additional, you know, uh, skills that you've picked up or gone through an institution to learn. But at the same time, most people are just concerned whether you can fix the car. In our industry specifically, that's just not the case. Clients mm -hmm. don't care. What it is, is it's a huge cash grab by the state. And I could talk about this at length, but it's like, are people really in danger because people are braiding hair? <laughs> no, but these... No boards and these professional organizations want their money and they've yeah. been instituted via licensure that you have to go through them for me to be able to teach and give california therapist credit washington state therapists or oregon therapists to be able to give them ce credit i have to be a nationally certified provider which means i have to jump through those hoops i have to go through that red tape even though you could learn what i do for free on youtube mm-hmm because that's what they want. And what I see it is, is that's the reason that I'm generally against regulation. But again, I, and I always stipulate this. I follow the law as I understand it. I don't go into states and like break their laws because, well, I don't like this. I understand that there are legal parameters where if I'm breaking laws, people can do things to me. And I have a lawyer for a reason that I ask questions because I'm trying to entrepreneur and the enemy of entrepreneurship is regulation. It actually prevents me from doing things or slows down the process. Like I'm in the middle of working on multi-camera live streams where I'm in my studio and I literally push buttons and flip camera angles and show you exactly what I do. That's awesome. And here's the thing that's pushing the edges of online education but to be able to give students CE credit for that, and the reason I have to give them CE credit is why? Because massage therapists don't value it because they need to be stamped as having that you know, particular seal of approval. 
what I see it is, is like on insurance, there's one level um, because do states, for instance, require that massage therapists have liability insurance if they're licensed? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then that insurance is provided by professional organizations, which is usually AMTA, Massage Magazine, ABMP, correct? Yes. That is a huge revenue stream for those companies. Yeah. And the oh, thing yeah. is, it, it's basically mandated to some degree by the state. So, for instance, here in Texas, I've been licensed for 16, 17 years. Uh, this year, I was finally fingerprinted here in Texas for the first time. Now, the reason that they'll say that we have fingerprinting is because they're trying to protect the public. They're trying to prevent uh, human trafficking, sex trade um, sort of stuff by having my fingerprints. But that fingerprinting company made hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they instituted that and we are forced to go through that process. Does it make sense? Now yeah, and now yeah. that's where my my – that is where my question about it comes in when we talk about exchanging, exchanging, uh, exchanging money, exchanging hands, right? Um, at what point is it considered, you know, like who's, who's benefiting from this is what I, is what I look at. The gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers. <laughs> and and that is, that's what I have an issue with. And now there should be an equitable exchange value for value here, right? And not not that there's like a you're a forced uh, business operation on your side on your business side, you were forced to have to to take that step and to to be legal right and to make sure that you are protecting the public, and it really what it's it's not protecting the public as much as it is protecting their business interests. Yeah, um, and that's where my question came in with it. With, with my posts in the group was at, at what point do we look at this from all sides and all angles? Um, and I'm just an I individual. I don't think we do that in America anymore. <laughs> we're, aller we're allergic to debate in this country. So even if like I have people on who sometimes disagree with me, they're like, Robert, legal, legal massage and licensed massage, massage licensure separates us from sex work. It makes us more legitimate. It means that we're respected as healthcare providers. And it's like, okay, those things are debatable. And I'm very happy to have those debates. And I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Well, I think you're really brave to have well, them. Because for me, I would be like, you know what, forget you. Like, I don't, I don't need that, you know, but <laughs> I think, I mean, seriously, like, I think, I think you have a lot, a lot more courage than I would, I would have because to me, if, if someone has a different viewpoint, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to try to change your mind. It's when the people that I'm arguing with try to change my mind yeah. and not let me have the freedom of expression. It almost gets to the point where, you know, I, I can't speak up about something I, I, I literally feel like is happening and express myself without having some sort of backlash about it. But I think that's great that you're happy to have those kinds of uh, debates with people. Some of it is, you know, it, I think 
some of it is perspective. And I feel like a little bit of an outlier for a variety of reasons. And then because most therapists aren't CE providers, mm -hmm. because they're not going from state to state, because they're not teaching online, they don't see all of the regulatory hurdles. So for instance, COVID has happened. Students are requesting um, refunds for classes that happened three, four months ago because we, we schedule out classes, right? So the thing is classes have to cancel. Um, I go, okay, you know, listen, give me time to go ahead and process this refund because I'm trying to balance my finances because if I had three revenue streams, two of them just completely collapsed. My online revenue is still kind of going. It's very small, but it's something, you know. So the sure. thing is, is like what people don't understand is like when I refund their money in full, which I will, you know, I don't get a refund for that Airbnb. Those hosts are keeping that money. I don't get a refund when I rented out a facility and paid a deposit. Those hosts mm -hmm. are keeping that money. And I'm giving a full refund to students. So it's like it gets very tight fiscally very quick. And when you add on the regulatory stuff, that's why a lot of educators aren't going state to state and jumping those hurdles. The way that I deal with it is by completely maximizing online education. And online education is probably, it was what I was skewering before this, but I have nothing else to do now because I can't teach in-person classes and I can't see clients. So I'm teaching online and trying to, you know, push forward. What I see it is as repeatedly is it always seems like a situation where the gatekeepers instill themselves, insert themselves into regulation to prevent competition. It's not about protecting the public. Nobody in Louisiana is worried that I'm going to cross the Sabine River and give a massage and somebody's going to be injured and then I'm going to be sued because I was this far over the state line. Like, it's just arbitrary, you know, stuff. It's like the degree to which the public is harmed by massage is why massage insurance only costs 150 bucks a, a year. Like, it's almost nothing. Like, what's your car insurance compared to, like, what you pay in massage insurance? Yeah, it's, it's about, it's probably, it's probably right about the same plus 100, you know, give or take. But that's, that's interesting. It's almost like, but this is where innovation has to come in here when laws and regulation and bureaucracy start to become gridlocked. It's, it's, it's almost like we have a moral obligation to start to challenge. That's why I was so, when I found you, Robert, like in your group and what you were doing was so passionate about, we have to band arms together as, as therapists and you as an educator. I was coming at a standpoint of, of doing some sort of online business about a year ago with teaching people foam rolling, uh, how to do it, uh, you know, either before a workout or after a workout, because I did sense at, at some point, you know, we, uh, we, are, we have a single point of failure with hands-on work um, and in getting people to a point where they started to want to do stuff for their own health. And you were, you were really awesome. Uh, I forgot when I did this. I did this about a couple months, well, probably about six months ago. Um, where I first introduced the idea of, of coaching people through foam rolling and how mm -hmm. to do it for themselves. 
And uh, it was interesting, some of the stuff in your group got to a point where people started to say, well, no, that's illegal, then you're teaching massage. No, that's um, absolutely, no. So go ahead and I want you to share that. And then I'm gonna break that down legally as I understand it in Texas. I've seen this because of COVID, all these therapists are out of work. They're like, how do I work with clients online? And then therapists are coming up and like, that's not within your scope of practice. And I'm like, ooh, wow, you guys do not understand the law. But go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I want to make sure I'm not jumping too far here in what I'm saying, because I, I tend to overgeneralize. So please pardon me. Um, oh, well, people would say the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're white men, and so you know we tend oh, well. to get a little. No, <laughs> let's clear that out of there. No. Um, <laughs> we're villains. No, just kidding. Um, so I think for me, you know, someone said, "Yeah, out of scope of practice," right? And for me, I said, "See, this there is no regulation about self massage." I did I did research in the physical therapy journals. I yeah. did uh, I did my research on the NIH sites and stuff like that. And um, even like all the, all the massage therapy uh, pr publications that are out there about foam rolling. Yeah. And really no one had cornered the market on self-massage to the point where you couldn't teach it. But I mean, why would anyone, and then it got me starting to think, well, why would anyone want to like be cert being a certification uh, or making it needing to be certified it's because they want to make money off of it is what really my conclusion was. So the, wow. the certification process, the public has been trained that they need mommy and daddy's stamp of approval, whether it be government or regulatory organization or a certification organization. The certification in and of itself doesn't mean much, um, especially if it's like an unlicensed activity. My understanding when I look at it is the students often want, oh man, certification is rough, bro. <laughs> it's a, it's a rough conversation that I continue to like argue with other educators and massage therapists about because once you have a license to do massage, you have a license. That's it. Like you can get a cupping certification, but it doesn't mean anything legally. Does it make sense? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. allow you, you can't go into a state and do cupping without a massage license in that state. It's like the license is a, is a mandated by the state thing. The way I see it when it comes to people teaching online, and this is what I, I mean, I, I cut my teeth, okay? I learned intellectual property law with a lawyer the hard way <laughs> because I had to send cease and desist letters and had problems with students and all sorts of stuff. In the end, when you go online and you're teaching somebody how to use a foam roller or a tennis ball to work on themselves, you may be using information from your massage practice. This is not doing massage. It's not. Basically, you are a coach. And now that you are a coach, here, guess what? You're selling information online. Congratulations. You just bypassed laws in nearly all 50 states. There is no law. There is no legal control. You sell information on the internet now. There is no boundaries. There's no geographic borders. And you might as well be on the deep web of the internet. Like, it's anarchy. There's no rules. There's no regulation. There's no whatever. Like, you can help people in Ukraine or Kiev just as easily as you can people in Atlanta and Georgia. 
it's like the question about well scope of practice it's like okay if you're putting hands on people you're acting as a massage therapist then we have a scope of practice issue if you're teaching a massage class online there's no no there, there's almost my lawyer told me he's like there's almost zero liability almost wow no there is no law there is no like georgia is not going to send you a cease and desist letter because you're teaching an online class from california that's not how that works legally when massage therapists are trying to learn how to teach online they're they're becoming a coach there is no law for being a coach there is no law for teaching that online does it make sense yeah yeah yep, it's, a, it's yep. a it's a different you know context when they're like it's not within your scope and practice it's like well you're not doing massage you're teaching you're selling information now that is not a licensed activity that way and they'll say no you have to have a massage instructor's license and i'm like no in texas that's if you're going to teach at a school or if you're like me and you want to become a cep in texas and you live in texas then technically I think I'd have to have all three. Does it make sense? Right. Yeah. Right. And this is a massage. Like this is probably more dangerous than hair braiding, but yeah. not by that much. And, and here's the thing. I've literally heard massage therapists say this. Um, <clears throat> my argument would be that anybody can do massage, but you can't charge money for it unless you have a license. Got it. That's what the difference is because it's, it's a trade protection to keep other people out of our turf. And, and basically what I said was, well, anybody can do massage. And they said, yes, anybody can do massage, but not everybody can do massage therapy. therapy. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, I just don't listen. I got three licenses. I get the next one. I'm a, for member of professional organizations and regulatory, I, I follow all the laws and it's a bunch of bunk. Like it doesn't really amount to much of anything except it's a way of creating revenue streams for the states and regulatory organizations. That's how I see it. The challenge that I've had as an educator is it like, I'm one of the only educators that I know personally who is regularly told by massage therapists that what I teach is not massage. I am told that regularly and I say, okay, so if it's not massage, I'm going to go teach the yoga community globally. And they go, oh, but they don't have a license. And I'm like, doesn't matter. You said it's not massage. And then it's like, okay, what is massage? And it's that massage. is a, Ooh, man. Once yeah. you start digging, I'm like, Oh, it, it starts to fall apart real fast. And I do not like what I see. In the end, when I talk about this, this online multi-camera live streams, this is where I'm going. When I have the capacity to multi-camera live stream, here's likely what's going to happen. You're doing something in relation to teaching people to use a foam roller or a tennis ball to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to start uh, marketing a little bit more directly to the public having couples classes, partner classes, something along those lines. Anybody can learn from that material. I'll be teaching some things that are likely somewhat similar to what you do, but I'll be doing it multi-camera live streams. Then I can go to the yoga community and teach them yoga assists. And then I'll be teaching using multi-camera live streams. 
and then I'll go to the massage therapist and continue teaching them. And some of these therapists are going to be like, but, but, but you're teaching these other two groups of people. And I go, yes, welcome to the internet. <laughs> like, why would I want to like decrease the size of my market? Like I'm trying to educate. And mm -hmm. part of that education is ed educating the general public. One of the things I've been very critical of massage therapists about is that the general public still thinks we're Phoebe from friends because massage therapists aren't picking up their phone and showing people showing what people. it is we do specifically. Does it make sense? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And it's, and it's, and it's the, whatever they learned in school, maybe, maybe done at a at an effectiveness of when and it depends too because some people have a lot of hands-on experience i can i can sense that and i can sense their passion about what they learned in massage school but i think when it comes to like being effective as a therapist it's like yes you want to take continuing education i get that but the, you're right it's the conditioning it's the conditions that their mind has has bought into that make them want to continue having ma and ma and mommy and daddy being like nope this is what you have to do yeah. and you we can go into this certain confines but i i have a problem with that it's it when when like issues like what what happened to you with your business started happening where you, where you were like well i'm gonna I'm just going to go and teach these people. If you guys are, are wanting to own that word of what massage is and what massage therapists are able to do or what their scope of practice is, I, I think innovation is the killer for, for what, what the whole, I don't know. It's just massage therapists feel protected and they feel protected primarily. Oh man. It, it's, so there's some really deep legal t terrain here. They feel protected as a class because they have a massage license. So have you looked at Stretch Lab and Stretch Zone? Yes, there's one right, yeah, there's one in the other do, county. Do you have to have a license to work at Stretch Lab or Stretch Zone? Nope. What's the difference between what they're doing at Stretch Lab and Stretch Zone and massage? Uh, not much. They I don't mean, call it massage. Would and, argue, what I, and, and what yeah. I keep telling people is it's much closer to what I do. What I keep telling people is like, listen, if the big guys can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. And it's like, I, I get tired because I'm trying, I'm trying to drag massage therapists along, but basically I would have to be backed by emails from NCBTMB, by articles in massage magazines by uh, school owners as being legitimate. And this is something you can study because they are the gatekeepers. You have to get them to let you in. And I went, oh, uh, I'm on the internet. Like there's no barrier. The barrier of entry is gone. Here's the thing. Everyone knows that what Uber did was illegal. They ate the cab industry and they yeah. didn't have a cab license. And they yeah. said, no, it's ride sharing. <laughs> and they and now, said, try to stop us because we're on the internet, right? Yeah. 
the whole thing is massage therapists feel protected as a class. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, man, listen, massage regulation is not, in my opinion, in any way, shape, or form, protecting the manipulation of soft tissue. It's protecting the word massage. <laughs> if you don't have a license, don't call it massage. And to give you an example of how complicated this gets, do you know much about my time massage jam? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. the time massage jam, I started like eight years ago here in Austin. Awesome. And, and this is, this will show you how complicated things are. Okay. So mm -hmm. Colorado. Now you can go to Colorado. Did you turn your video off? Oops. Sorry about that one. No, no, you're fine. There we go. Sorry so in, in Colorado, you can buy hash, edibles, extracts. Uh, you can buy, I think, mushrooms that were decriminalized. And then Colorado passed some laws regarding education, not massage education, just education within their state borders. Okay which meant I was gonna have to go through a school and apply underneath the school to be able to follow the distinct laws that were set up in Colorado for education. Does it make sense? Yeah. More red tape. Now, in Colorado, you have to have a license to do Thai massage. You don't have, a have to have a license to do Thai body work. <laughs> And I said, what's the difference? And they're like, <laughs> so here's the deal. Legally, I have a trademark for Time Massage Jam. It is the one certification that I offer my students. If you take Intro Tie with me and decide to run a Time Massage Jam, I put you through some training, have you sign a contract, and pay a $100 fee. Rub-a-dub-dub, wave-a-wand, ba-boom, you are now Time Massage Jam certified. Make sense? Right. Totally. Now, because of laws in Colorado, could I take a yoga teacher and certify them to run a Time Massage Jam in Colorado? Uh, probably. So here's how it works out. Legally, I can certify anyone to run a Thai massage jam, but because Thai massage jam has the word massage in it, it is likely that their state board would come in and smack it down. Does it make sense? And say you have to have a license. Now, can I take a Thai body worker in Colorado and certify them to run a Thai massage jam? Yes. And legally, I can certify them, but their state board will likely come in and knock it down because time massage jam has the word massage in it. And, and that's what I, that, and that's, that's just Colorado, but that's the legal situation that I'm dealing with like again and again and again, where there's all these barriers to entry because of the word massage. Once you remove that word, it's easier for me to go into other industries and to bypass state regulations in a sense to go into other, you know, communities and teach. But the thing is, if you remove the word massage, massage therapists don't want it. There's a branding issue. Does it make sense? Yeah. 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 That's so that's the owning the word massage, not, and it's really what it's about. 
and who owns that word? For <laughs> <laughs> me, I just we've gotten to the point where that it it's let's create another language. I mean, I mean, it's just it's to the point where it's that's well. That's I was thinking, well, I'm going to do foam rolling because yeah. I just, for me, it's like, this is ridiculous. You know, massage is massage. And when you're, when you're doing massage or body work on a person, no one's going to care who owns that. They're going to be like, oh, this feels great. Or I feel amazing afterwards, you know? Yeah. And that's. Now, and the public, I'm, for the most part, the public doesn't care. It's sure. therapists. Therapists, like when's the last time the public reported somebody because they didn't have a massage license if they do good work? The public I doesn't care. care. The public just wants a low cost service. The public doesn't care as long as the quality is good. It's massage therapists who report people for working without a license because they're angry that somebody else didn't go through their legal and regulatory hurdles. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, so is the public, it's COVID right now. Is the public reporting massage therapists who are working right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, the the public is like, well, I want a massage. Oh, oh, I thought you meant, yeah. Yeah, Who's, who's reporting therapists for working with that license? Other massage therapists. Totally. <laughs> and yeah, the public's just like, I want a massage right now. I don't care that yeah. what yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like a it's a weird, you know, regulatory scene and like if I misspeak or you get angry and stuff, not you specifically, but the audience, you know, you gotta understand I've been dealing with this for a long time. And it's like being in a situation where you're teaching cutting edge, innovative body work, <clears throat> but your own industry doesn't recognize it as massage means I'm in a weird no man's land floating on the internet, trying to figure out who I'm supposed to sell this to because the people with the licenses are saying, well, this isn't for us. This, this is too different. And I go, it's effective. It's easy to use. It's currently unavailable. There's an entire market we can expand into. And they're like, oh, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, but like the amount of value that it has, though, is is extraordinary. Um, even just for people to be able to use it in their own in their own practices, it saves their hands. It's it saves saves them from being injured. Number four, five and six. And then, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't understand the point I, I, going into this. It's like, yeah, you're right. It is about the making the money part of it that the massage therapists care about being able to continue to, to make money doing massage. And the, the licensure aspect is like, I don't have an issue with that, but they continue to make sure that those fees for still being certified or licensed to be a massage therapist are still paid whether or not there's a COVID-19 pandemic going on or not. And, and uh, to me, I have kind of, it starts to beg the question, is this really about keeping people safe from a massage therapist working on them? Or is this about them continuing to get revenue? It's about, the massage industry protecting itself from competition 
by creating a barrier of entry. So just a quick example. Have you ever seen a um, Catch Me If You Can? Yes. With Leonardo you, DiCaprio. DiCaprio, or, yeah. Frank, Frank Ambignale was the guy, the real guy who did this. Do you remember the scene with him and Tom Hanks where he's like, Frank, how did you pass the bar in Louisiana? You remember that scene? Yeah, very general. And he said, I, I read the book. <laughs> because in Louisiana at that time, you didn't have to go to law school. As long as you could pass the bar, anybody could take the bar exam and you're now a lawyer. Later, they have that law changed. Why? Because people found that loophole more and more. Because lawyers went to law school and went $100,000 in debt and said, uh-uh, we're going to prevent competition and you have to go into the same amount of debt or have the money to be able to go to law school just like we did. Now, the reason they say is, oh, we have to protect the public. We have to protect the public. We have to protect the public. Make sense? It's always we got to protect the public. That's all. Think of the children. Think of the children. We got to protect the children. You know, there's got to be a license, right? Like we couldn't just have unlicensed people going around. And it's like anybody can do massage. You can't charge money for it unless you have a license. That's what the difference is. It's, yeah. it's, 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 as soon as you add money to the equation, state gets involved. <laughs> Got it. And I mean, that's why, like, I put together my the the Fumbling Secrets group and and ebook for free. Like, anyone can join it and yeah. be a part of that for free. You know, I think, and that's kind of what you have going on with your stuff too. Is there's like the free offering to kind of show people that it is valuable um and you know at that point it's it's really not a massage thing you know and and if it's free then it's i'm giving offer of value to you and then if you find it valuable and you want to get other specific services uh one-on-one coaching then or being able to learn you know and, and do this for a living then sure but yeah, this it was just really enlightening to talk about this because for me, I I I have been kind of a rebel. I've been known to be a rebel <laughs> for a little bit of my life, and uh, you know, whenever people start start saying, you know, I probably in your group kind of went was like oh extortion, and then you know, most people. I'm interested to see how many people voted uh, before we started this. There was about like 40 people that said no, it's not extortion. And there was about, and there was about, I think there was about 20 people that said it was. Yeah. So that's about half where we started this call. It was about half and half. People were like, I could, I could go that extreme with calling it extortion. But uh, I was just curious and I'm glad that this opened up, you know, this conversation because coming from you as an educator. Well, I mean, listen, you talk about being a renegade, like there are other people who call me names in our industry. And these are respected educators. These Mm. are people that massage magazine and professional organizations like. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not breaking any laws. And you can talk to me about ethics all day long. I was a philosophy student. I have a focus in existentialism and ethics. I'll have the debate with you. Like, I've had this conversation repeatedly. It's not because I don't want the public to be safe. I follow the laws. The laws are instituted for a reason, regardless of what I think about them. Does it make sense? 
the government right like students are contacting me and they're like well you're an educator when can i go back to work and i'm like whoa <laughs> like one do what your state says or your federal government says i mm -hmm. i'm not the arbiter of like when you go back to work that's between you and the state like i'm not going back to work until the state of texas and tdlr says okay it's okay for you to go back to work like i don't just like make that up on my own I'm not going to risk my license over that, but they're coming to me for information because, well, you know, well, you're a respected educator. And I'm like, uh, respected? Yeah. <laughs> like, depends on how you define that term. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it, it's what people believe and, and what they perceive can kind of get a little, uh, get a little cross there. But I mean, it's, it's this one of those things where, I'm glad to be able to find someone who's gone through those hoops because for me, it's like, uh, you know, my group's pretty small right now. It's only about probably about 52, 53 people, but they are starting to get more involved and I'm starting to do group classes like where we're, we're doing it together and I'm teaching them how to do some effective techniques with uh, foam rolling. And uh, it's it's been great. I will say like people are feeling a lot a lot less tension, a lot less stress uh, when they do that. And it's, it's been great. Um, but I think I'm going to start to come out with like a new store online because I think doing it through social media is kind of, I think I got to do it kind of through my own site. Cause you know, with social media, it's, it's kind of hard these days without paying for marketing and, and boosting ads and such to get, to get noticed and to actually, roll those people over into paying clients. Uh, but uh, I think I'll have a store pretty soon, which I'm excited about. Yeah. I mean, I would encourage you to be completely honest, continue teaching your stuff to massage therapists, but I would honestly tell you to start going directly to the public, go directly to people who are having problems and say, listen, I can help you with your upper back pain. I can help you with your lower back pain come in and let me do like a little free, you know, giveaway group class or, or whatever. Get those people in. And then once they're in your funnel, so to speak, continue training them and like go into more detail, whether that be a class with only three people where you're talking with them or a private session, just one-on-one -on -one online, something along those lines. I honestly think, um, and it's, it's difficult for me to take my own advice because I'm still trying to drag massage therapists where I suspect what's going to happen. I have theoretical like speculations about this. Once I figure out the multi-camera live streams and I can do it seamlessly, I think I'm going to figure out that the main market for what I've been teaching is either the yoga community or the public. It's not massage therapists at all. The yoga community or the public are going to be the ones who are rabid and crazy about it, and how effective it is. Massage therapists get like, in my experience, there's a little pushback because, well, this isn't what they taught us in school because the school owners are the authority figures. They're the ones that stamp it with seal of approval. Make sense? Sure. Like if it was so effective, the school would teach it. I'm like, Ooh, if, if the cab, if Uber was so effective, the taxi company would have created it. That's not how it works. The cab company was using regulation to try to squash competition, and Uber came along and said, oh, watch this. 
And then the hotel chains were trying to use regulation to squash competition and Airbnb came along and said, oh, watch this. Massage therapists are this next group that think they're like this protected class. And I'm like, whoa, I don't feel comfortable uh, looking at my career that way. That makes me very uncomfortable on a number, a number of levels. Right. And I think, I think it should make other people like any time and even things like the healthcare industry, you know, the nurses at any point could become wiped out or affected all in one sweep of regulation. We just don't know how safe we, we are until things like regulation start to come in and sweep through and make changes. And it was so easy for this to come in and, and, and wipe out all these small businesses yeah. Um, and f- for people to think that it's going to return back to normal, I think is a bit um, naive, but, you know, I, I think we have to continue to morph and, and utilize more skills in that we, we were something a lot uh, fundamentally a lot different than just being a massage therapist. I think that is, like you said, that stamp that they give the teachers and the, the organizations, the education organizations give that rubber stamp. You're now a massage therapist. And I think we we're a lot more than that before we decided to really take that on as our sole identity. And I I think this could happen to other industries too, if they're not careful. Yeah. They, you know, people think they're protected by whatever they think they're protected by. And it's just, this is not the world that we're living in. We're living in a global landscape. And I'm glad you're teaching that your stuff outside of just the U S because it's like, you're, you're competing on a global level too. So it's, it's just, it makes total sense the way that you're doing it because there is no international, uh, I mean, really it's the sky's the limit for you because it is it is education and there's there's a distinct challenge about like marketing and branding um that i'm still gonna have to deal with and like covid just like any other therapist covid threw a complete monkey wrench in my business like everything was going along cool and it was just like a bomb dropped and it was like oh man like I'm completely decimated. Like it's almost have to, like you have to start over again, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like when you take away class revenue and you take away client revenue, it's like, well, you're taking away two out of my three revenue streams. Like any staff I had is gone. Like I can't afford to pay people. Like I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, I'm having, you know, nervous conversations about my mortgage at this stage. You know, because it's like, well, how do you pay your mortgage or deal with bills when all of this has happened? From a regulatory standpoint, massage regulation is something that I've looked at and I've looked at in detail for just years and years. And I think fundamentally, it doesn't really do what massage therapists think it does. Not when you really dig. On a superficial level, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you can't, you know, you can't do this. There's a scope of practice and you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's like, um, we have speed limit laws. Do people speed? <laughs> sure and do, do people get ticketed? <laughs> so why do we have why do we have speed limit laws? I mean, we could install something on your car that would not allow you to go over certain speeds. That reminds but me that the reminds state me of that needs Tucker revenue. <laughs> that, that reminds me of that Tucker film. That one with uh, Tucker, the 
the different types of vehicles that were actually safe and were going to be, you know, saving people's lives and, you know, or, or more than, I think, I think that the, the film was great because it proved that if someone went up against and was a competitor to Ford and, and those big guys that they were taken out either by blackmail or, or, or blood ties or what have you, or bullying. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the kind of world we're living in. Well, do you know, do you know much about Gary V? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I caught this in one of Gary V's talks like eons ago and uh, Gary said something about Texas and he's like, yeah, like he just made, made some gesture towards Texas that he didn't like Texas. And somebody kind of called him out from the audience. And basically what it is, is Gary cut his teeth working with his father in the liquor store selling wine wine library tv shipping wine in the mail okay i live in texas and and when gary was called out on it he's like i'll tell you why i don't like texas because we started shipping wine into texas and a company called specs which is in austin by the way there's a company here in texas i don't know if they're originally from texas but specs wine liquor and fine foods or whatever Specs went to state regulators and said, you need to pass a law forbidding online like liquor sales. You can't ship wine in the mail in Texas. Interesting. Now, why did Specs do that? <laughs> to prevent competition. Competition and to, you're not coming to my table. Like you're not, you're not at you, this table. You got to pay, you got to pay the gatekeeper. And it's like, there is instances of that. Like if you talk to small business owners, they see this again and again and again and again. So in addition to paying taxes and getting a fire marshal's inspection and, you know, doing all the stuff you have to do to run a business, you run into this additional like regulatory, like hurdles and red tape, which you're like, why can't I ship wine in the mail? Like you're putting it in a truck and driving it across state lines. Like what's the deal here? But it's like, even Gary got to follow state laws. It's just the way it is. You, you can't make moonshine. Liquor companies do not want you <laughs> competing, you know, with their, their marketplace. And that's essentially how I see regulation on, on many, many levels. Now, when you get into things like people always bring up this notion about, well, I wouldn't want a doctor to do surgery on me if they didn't have the, pri the proper license. And it's like, sure. But could you perform a surgery and just not call it surgery? Everybody's like, well, of course not. And I'm like, exactly, because the American Medical Association would come after you. And, and that's the way it is. But do people really care about massage? And do they really care that a bottle of wine can come in the mail? But businesses that prevent competition do. So, for instance, the time massage jam I run to give people a further example of this, the Time Massage Jam is what I tell people is a community bodywork event. You don't have to have a license. You don't have to know anything. And people were like, well, who's it for? And I'm like, whoever walks through the door, I will work on them. I will teach them. I will share with them and I'll show them how to work on each other. And I do it and it's quick and it's effective. I'd have a 19 year old from the acro yoga community here in Austin in the Time Massage Jam they completely fall in love with the work. They're like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do for a living. And I'm like, oh, you want to do Thai massage for a living? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you got to go to massage school. And they're like, oh, 
they don't teach me what you do. And I'm like, I, I can't give you a massage license. And they're like, no, but you, you know, all the stuff you can teach it to me. And I'm like, that's not how this works. You have to go to the massage school, get a license, and then you come to me for continuing education. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, listen, I don't make these laws. They make those laws. Go complain to them. Like, I'm not, I'm here. I'm showing you how to do it. But you can't go just charge just because you learned something with me. Does it make sense? And then I would push it further and say, okay, guys, how about this? How about this? So Thai massage is its own distinct classification in Texas. And what I'm going to do is we're going to get enough money. We're going to band together. We're going to hire a lobbyist. And we're going to get laws passed that say you have to have a specific license to do Thai massage in Texas. And the way you get that license is by going to my school. Isn't that nice? And they're like, oh, that's, and I'm like, well, that's what they did. <laughs> that's exactly what they did. It's like school owners are the ones who like the massage laws because it guarantees a revenue stream. They are the gatekeeper. You have to go to their school. Now, to bring it even further, all right? So a lot of states right now, I think this is hilarious, by the way. A lot of states don't allow CE credit for online instruction of stuff that's hands-on. So mo most states, not all, states, most states will not allow you to get CE credit for anything you learn online that's teaching hands-on soft tissue manipulation. Make sense? Correct. Any states will not allow that. Okay. But because of COVID, the states are waiving that and saying, just give us whatever certificates you can get. A lot of states are doing this. And I'm like, well, what changed? Can people all of a sudden learn online, whereas they couldn't learn before? So why do states not want to allow people to learn online? <laughs> to prevent competition <laughs> from, from assholes like me working in their garage in Texas. That's why. Yeah. It's almost like this umbrella of uh, it's like you had all these like levels with the state and the local stuff, and then the you know national you gotta be nationally certified to teach. And then now it's like now it's like this other like umbrella over that, which is probably it is a global thing, probably World Health Organization sanctioned. Yeah, so uh, I I haven't taught in other countries yet. I don't know like oh, every place you got to do research and it's like going to some places there probably isn't even massage law so it's like it's a moot moot point does it make sense got it, got it. Yeah. so it's like i almost wish i had somebody on who was like arguing with me about regulation instead of just agreeing but at the same time i think these ideas will be covered like again and again and again via podcast and it's part of the reason I get kind of cantankerous because I have to deal with all this additional regulation. There's no specific audience for what I'm teaching. Doesn't matter that it's effective. Doesn't matter that it's easy to teach. Doesn't matter that it saves the therapist's body. The therapist is like, this isn't what we learned in school. And I'm like, what you learned in school is the past. I don't use shit I learned in high school either. I don't remember the last time I figured out a fucking square root. I don't 
I don't use that, but I use the shit I use every day to help people in pain. And here's what happens. The clients freak out and go, why isn't this everywhere? And I'm like, because massage therapists keep telling me it's not massage. And they're like, what? <laughs> the public is not the issue. Therapists are. Therapists. Because once they're trained in this box, here's what I see. I teach classes, and occasionally somebody from the public will come in. I had a couple take a class one time. They were learning to work on each other. I have like an occasional yoga teacher, like personal trainer, Pilates instructor, or something that'll take a class with me. They're so much easier to teach because I don't have to deprogram them. Massage therapists are the most difficult people to teach. Because I have to destroy the box that they've been encultured into. I, I, I could totally see that. Like uh, what I learned when part of the massage program that I was in was back in Illinois. It was about 30 minutes away from downtown Chicago. They were starting to go into like the Deepak Chopra stuff, like the five agreements, like which had nothing to do with anything about massage, in my opinion. Because it was it was it was complete and utter uh, mind control. Like the way that 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 book was written, that five agreements thing, it, or four agreement. I don't know. However many agreements it was, it was written. <laughs> it, was, it was written in a hypnotic language. In, and yeah. I pointed out my paper. I pointed out this to the massage uh, teacher, and I actually got a pretty good grade on it. But I was pretty much saying, like, this has nothing to do with teaching people how to do massage. And it is actually all about, like, teaching to manipulate people's minds. And she, uh, I, I, will, I will send you that paper, Robert, because yeah. I think you get a kick out of it. But, yeah, it, it's like, I, you know, again, I follow all the laws. I just see it go down again and again. So, Illinois, can you do massage without a massage license in Illinois? Yes, without getting paid to do so. But if what, you're what happens if you call it Thai body work? Uh, I think, I think you could probably probably do that and not get sued for it, or not. No one would care. And that's that's the the weirdest. Like from a regulatory standpoint, that's why likely o over time, basically everything in person gets more red tape more regulation, more infrastructure, more baggage. And I go, wow, online is freedom. Online is less liability. Online is global distribution. What's going on in Tokyo right now? Well, come on, we're going to teach you. When all this shuts down, it's like squeezing a tube of toothpaste. I just follow the least resistance and go online. And when I wind up online, because I'm a body worker, like I was totally like, listen, I'm, I'm talking on my phone. I got a headset plugged in. This shit was like, I was not interested in tech at all. I wanted to work one client at a time and change lives. And then once I got squeezed out on the internet, I went, Ooh, wait a second. This isn't the same thing. This isn't even the same business. Like this is a in, information is like, global distribution of information in a, a mass marketplace like is just a very different you know situation it's like if you can teach the public directly that's a much bigger audience than massage therapists does it make sense totally yeah and also i think it has a bigger impact like in 
that's and that's where that's where I get into uh, with my education with the marketing stuff was like uh, uh, from like uh, someone who's doing uh, Tibetan medicine, uh, which he actually does stuff like kumnai and some other techniques. But um, I took this kind of this, uh, you know, you were talking about funnels. Uh, I took a Russell Brunson kind of funnel challenge thing and learned a lot and you know and it kind of spawned or spawned this foam rolling secrets product um, that i'm offering and what i realized was that same exact thing well i was thinking well why why am i going to try to teach therapy or massage therapists if they're just going to argue against what i'm doing it's like i'm not creating this for for those people i'm creating it because i want to give that value to people that find it valuable and so that yeah. they can change their lives. Not You know, it, it's weird to have the conversation with you because I think it's easier. I, I've noticed this. Um, it's easier for me to give business advice to other people than to take my own. I can see your business so clearly and I'm like, Oh yeah, listen, I mean, continue to teach massage therapists, but you just need to go teach the public, go, go out, find those people, help them directly with the problem. And the thing is, but for some reason, it's harder for me to manifest that in my own practice. Like I'm still um, dealing with that from a standpoint as a business, like you're selling to a different audience at that stage. Like I haven't, I mean, the thing is, I do have some people who are just people from the public who are subscribers who learn with me online, but I haven't really transitioned into teaching that specific market. Totally. Well, and I think like at this point, like what I started realizing with this, doing the, the phone rolling marketing stuff was going into uh, something that's more about like uh, spiritual development, uh, which is uh, the, the, the spiritual stuff that I've been doing is uh, cosmology, um, which is a kind of a, more about uh, controlling and developing your, your, your mind in a sense uh, to where you can figure out what's going on uh, astrologically speaking to, uh, and to also cast things that can actually make things manifest in your world. Um, and Bon happens to be kind of pre-Buddhist. Uh, it was kind of the, the indigenous, uh, the indigenous, they called it the way in Tibet uh, before the Chinese came and slaughtered the Bon. Um, there was uh, something called Ban, which was uh, a very ancient, uh, it's sort of a religion uh, in the sense, but it became a way for people to become unhindered, as you as you can say, um, in in allowing people to remove karmic patterns or negative habitual patterns. That's what they call karma. Is is what it is. Is is really habitual patterns that keep you stuck and bound to this, this wheel of suffering. Um, and I've been studying it with a master who's um, a really, really generous guy. Um, and he's teaching a, a, about 15 of us to do cosmology. Um, and what we do is we cast kind of these, these uh, ancient methods used to draw like, like kind of like maps and they, it can kind of show you it's kind of these boxes that all um, kind of is like a, a portal or a map into whether it's your world or your business world or what have you. And we use ancient Tibetan methods to kind of actually 
make things manifest in your in your world uh, through magical means using spirits and stuff like that. Um, and I actually started to be able to help people on that level where if if everything was done uh, supernaturally speaking, I think all this would be a hell of a lot easier for you. But I'm not I'm not sure what your views are on the unseen world or what have you. But mm, I'm very one, I teach massage therapists, very tactile, very, this is what I can get a handle on. Some people mistake that I'm not spiritual. And I think that's completely no, like, this is what I get a handle on. And I know it accesses your mind and your spirit. Like, that's how it works. This is the handle. This is where I start. Like, I don't uh, squash other people's spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs or anything like that. I'm very, very open. Uh, to those conversations, but I don't spend a lot of time talking about energy in class. Does it make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I think that's smart because I think for, for you, it's not, that's not what your, what your business is in. Um, this Tibetan cosmology, it's used to aid people with life guidance and um, following these kinds of things could actually help you avoid obstacles and misfortune or, or wrong career decisions or painful mistakes. But um, I, I just had to start doing things that are different, essentially, and trying to trying to see what works and what sticks. And what what some of what some people I've noticed is is if they get so locked down in their identity to the point where they're trying to force something that's not working, you have to try something new. I mean, I, I think I think you could probably vouch for that as well. But I think this this industry of massage is kind of a sinking ship and we found how fragile it is with this yeah. COVID-19 stuff. So. Well, the, the sinking ship part, I, I think people, one, don't realize how young the massage industry is. It's only been since the 1980s that states started passing massage licensure and regulation. So it's a very young industry. The hmm. only reason it's gotten to the level of legitimacy that it has is because of Massage Envy. Because Massage Envy trained the public into normal, once a month, get a massage, good for your health, good for your stress levels, well-being, inexpensive price point that had people go in. Now, prior to that, I suspect people were concerned, meaning the public was concerned if they were going to a massage facility, they didn't know if maybe there was other stuff going on. Massage Envy got a, an air of legitimacy in the public's mind that pushed massage further. I mean, we're in the middle of COVID and massage therapists are mad because their people are still calling it massage parlors. They're like, when are they going to school these regulators? It's like, no, when are you going to take out your phone and school those regulators? Because it's your industry and it's your fault that they look at it that way. Mm -hmm. We are, it's us. We're the ones who, you know, have contact. Like it's yeah. not the outside world in Hollywood telling people what massage is. It's the fact that massage therapists take that phone and they're not producing video content to educate the general public about what we do. Massage as people think of it has become, and I say this in class regularly, table cream, glide, and nudity. If you take any of those components away, people start to question whether it's massage. And my work takes away the table, takes away the cream, takes away the glide, and takes away the nudity. 
And what I'm left yeah. with, they keep saying, this isn't massage. And I'm like, cool. Then I don't have to deal with any licensure in any of the 50 states. And they're like, oh, shit. And I'm like, you know, I'll continue to consult my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to go into a realm like what you're talking about, about Bon and like uh, sort of Asian spiritual tradition, dude, you can make a killing online selling whatever that is if you learn enough about it and feel confident to be able to give people consults or do whatever that is you know like i'm always trying to get therapists um to go where their heart is you know even if all you did was diversify revenue streams by adding it as a component you're going to be able to draw people that are interested in the thing that you specifically offer thank you for that and that's that's kind of exciting too it's just it, it's it's one of those things where you you don't realize what you have inside of you until you actually create it and birth it um and and really it's it's kind of an exciting time because you know we can't just sit back on our laurels anymore and be like well this is gonna go back to normal and you know it's it's uh it's gonna it's exciting but it, it's also pretty frightening for for people I, I bet as well because if they're betting on it going back to it being normal quote-unquote normal then uh, I, I really I, I fear for those people I, I guess but I guess I can continue moving forward knowing that that's that's where the future is is either you yeah. adapt and evolve or, or yes and that's the thing is one we got to ask what normal is I've heard I've, it's the only time I've seen a public debate about this about is life ever going to go back to what it was? It's like, one, things just change. Are we going to adapt and are we going to survive and then thrive? I don't suspect it's going to turn into an episode of The Walking Dead anytime soon. <laughs> but things will definitely change. It's like, this is our you know, country's great depression or whatever of our generation. Like I, I live in a, to me, it's a very weird time. Like I'm, I'm making TikTok videos and it's 2020 and people are talking about urban sustainability and having their own garden. <laughs> Cause they're like, I can't rely on the store to feed me. You know, it's like they're going victory garden on me. It's like, it's a weird time. I do think within the next year, things will relatively go back to normal, quote unquote the degree to which is, is mostly unknown. You know, there is a reason that government regulators, politicians, religious authorities are basically being cautious because we're trying to protect people's lives. We're also trying to not scare people, but this is biology. Like it's a virus. We don't know. Like, you know, it's like, not only is there a virus, viruses mutate and viruses change. I was reading something online and they said they speculate there might be two versions of the same virus and one of them is causing problems because it's, it's more, more deadly. You know, it's like, these are the things, it's like, we do not control biology. We cannot escape Earth. We have not figured out with Elon Musk's help how to get to Mars and get away. Like, we have to deal with whatever the, the parameters are. As frightening as that is, I also think that's where the, the hero's journey comes out. When I yeah. talk to uh, business people or massage therapists, I almost always, always, it's like, what do you want to do? 
go do that. Whatever, whatever gets you up and gets you fired, you know, get in the morning, like not drag you out of bed. Like you're like, yeah, let's go do it. You know, that's what therapists need to do. It doesn't matter if it's just some niche. I love sports massage. Okay, go. Then go study with the best sports massage, sports massage people you can find and promote sports massage and breathe sports massage and learn sports massage and do sports massage and make sports massage videos. Don't, you know, you're not limited to my uh, bliss, I guess. Does that make sense? Like I'm not doing bond anytime soon, (laughs) but that's just me. You know, I got other stuff going on. Totally. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's interesting because the the way that the way that I think we've gotten to this point is where people aren't taking control of their own their own destinies and what they want to do or their own hobbies you know I think people have started to realize that maybe there is a little bit more to our spirits and our minds than we think when it shows up in the body is usually a little too late uh what what happens is and what we in bond believe is that uh, body emanates from the mind and usually when it shows up in the body as a, a pattern or something like pain presents itself it's usually because of something that was planted a seed in your mind first and then it goes into your body um, and those kinds of those kinds of habitual patterns can really kind of heat uh, a lot of a lot of havoc on on people's uh, bodies but if you can fix it in the mind before it becomes uh, in, in before it pre- presents itself in the body, that's usually the, the place where you want to start first is the mind. Um, and I was always interested in the mind-body connection. Um, uh, I think a lot of people probably are, are into that as well in the massage community or in, or in uh, any community. But um, I, I think it's it's all about realizing where your where your mind goes, your energy flows, and I think that's really fascinating to me. So that's, that's why I started doing and studying bond was because if, if you could, if you could actually make things happen with your mind, then things might be a little bit easier on the body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, my work grew out of time massage, but a lot of it is sort of American get it done ingenuity combined with time massage. I'm a white guy. I've never been to Thailand. Like I took it and said, hmm, could you change this? Could you add this? Could I put my knee there? And then other people look at my work and go, well, that's not Thai. Like, in other words, it's not culturally Thai. And I go, ooh, at what point does French food stop being French? Like you're getting into weird cultural semantic and jargon distinctions about something where I'm like, okay, uh, Buddhism. So you talked about Tibetan, which is like Bon is like a kind of a precursor religion. It sounds like to Tibetan Buddhism, right? It kind of uh, influenced Tibetan Buddhism, and then Tibetan Buddhism is part of Mahayana Buddhism, and then Theravadan Buddhism, which is part of like Thai tradition. Thai massage is deeply tied to Theravadan Buddhist tradition. Um, these are two different like kind of branches. People would argue with, within within Buddhism. You know, it's like when you remove the cultural context, when you remove the, some people would say the spiritual context, like what is it? Does it make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. like you get into these weird, you know, d d discussions about it, and I was like, okay, hold on. So I'm a white guy living in America, and I help people relieve suffering. Isn't that what Buddhism is trying to do? That goes to the core of any tradition in Buddhism. Like, totally. like I work on Texans. Like Bubba comes in with boots on. I'm like, Bubba, take off the boots. Get off the tractor. Come here. Going to work on you. I don't start teaching him meditation because he's not ready for meditation. He's not, his back hurts. He can't sit down. The reason I know Buddhism and meditation is because I had a physical problem and right. I used yoga and I used body work to get rid of that. And then once I got rid of it, well, what happened out of my yoga practice is I started meditating. I didn't know that was what I was doing. I think initially they were just like, breathe while you do the pose, breathe. But what happens is you kind of take the breathing with you and you're like, oh, those old bastards, they figured it out. Because you're talking about accessing the mind, right? Yeah. The way that they access that nine times out of 10 is like they're going back to some form of breathing exercise. And that breathing is voluntary and involuntary. You can hold your breath until you pass out. And then your body's going to kick on and breathe for you because it's not something you have to think about. Makes sense? That's not that part of your nervous system. But the breathing is the way in. The breathing is the way you start to deal with sympathetic, sympathetic, parasympathetic, and the, like, the different branches of your nervous system. Like when I tell people, you know, can you breathe a certain way and slow down your heart rate? They're like, no, that's not how that works. And I'm like, oh, you think so? It's like, you think I can't lower my heart rate and blood pressure at will? And they're like, what? And I'm like, breathing exercises, that's what it does. Well, and then placement of the tongue, too, can access certain channels and stuff, right? So that's something you figured out, I'm sure, to, like, help people with. And it's all very interesting to me. But, you know, with with enlightenment, I think what, what happened, and not to get too, like, into uh, religious views or differing views or whatever, but enlightenment really is, there's a fit, like, there's actual a test for that. And it is emitting what they call the white light of a triple sun in a box for 33 days with no food or water, being able to emit the white light of a triple sun using your, your, your own, your own body's energy and pulling energy from, you know, from uh, the void and, and being able to, to uh, have it go through your tree and have you produce that light and actually be able to sprout a seed that you have in this box with no, no water and no sunlight was actually like the real test in in the old in like the ancient days um and now what uh, unfortunately what enlightenment has become is become something that oh well I'll, I'll be able to just die and i'll reach enlightenment you know with no problem with no training or what have you and i and with with that i think it's like with any other religion like with yeah. catholicism or christianity it was we're gonna t we're gonna seal these texts and these these scriptures or these tablets, whatever was written on this, and call it our own. We're going to bastardize these teachings that so we have no idea how it works. We're we're going to basically take these as our own, and we're going to we're going to basically make this and call it and rebrand it and call it something else. And then we're just gonna we're just gonna beat those guys that 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 we took it from and stamp them out and and beat them bloody to a pulp or kill them or kill their families, get rid of them. Um, and call it call it something different, and that's been happening for ages. Um, 
the, the so even Buddhism, like there's Zen Buddhism and there's Mahayana Buddhism oh, yeah. and there, you know, Theravadan Buddhism and like on and on and on, like, you know, Chinese form of Buddhism, like, and probably will continue to evolve as most religions do. I always go back to the spiritual core and I go, and I have a strong um, draw towards Buddhism generally. And it's like, okay, because we can philosophically speculate about, you know, what is enlightenment. I'm like, does it ease suffering? Then I'm a fan. Oh, you're a Catholic? Okay. Does that ease suffering? Then I'm a fan. Like, I don't, I don't make those distinctions. And as an American, like, oh man. So America is a new country. It's very young. We think it's old because it was 1776, but I've been to Greece and Turkey. I've seen old. That shit's old. <laughs> like, the Blue Mosque and, you know, Hagia Sophia is old, bro. <laughs> like, you know, it's like he got tired of being in Greece and seeing 6,000-year-old, like, artifacts. You know, that's that sort of old. You know, it's like if I went to Egypt and went to the pyramids, that sort of old. It's like America's a new country, but America – you know, is sort of invested on young and new and vibrant and changing. Like America's kind of like a prepubescent teen just trying to figure it out as a country is kind of how it feels, right? We're kind of annoying our our, our world neighbors because they're like, would you stop it? <laughs> you're like, you're like 13. What is wrong with you? You know, um, I think in the end, I always go back to a sort of non-denominational sort of spiritual path that I personally feel is not religious. When people try to say, oh, you're Buddhist, I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm a Robert, and they're like, uh, and, they, and I was a philosophy student. I had a focus on ethics and existentialism, right behavior and man's place in the universe. I, I'm, I'm, I'm well-read for most part, you know, on, on Buddhism and uh, other uh, Asian traditions, like within yoga, for instance. I'm deeply inspired by them and use tools from them, including Thai massage, but I don't fully commit. Does it make sense? Got it. I, haven't, I haven't joined anybody's church in a long time. And I'm like, eh. once they start trying to get me to, I'm like, hey, you know, I just kind of do my own thing. But Americans... Yeah. You know, as Buddhists, for instance, and this says a lot about America, American Buddhists borrow. They listen to the Dalai Lama. They listen to Lama Surya Das. They listen to Ram Das. They listen to Shinryu Suzuki, who's a Zen lineage. They listen to like a really wide range of people in Buddhist thought without necessarily committing to one specific lineage. That's a very American way of dealing with Buddhism. Does that make sense? Totally. Because it used to be like Zen, Zen was in Japan. Once it got there, it kind of stayed there and it like had its own little local influences. Makes sense? Just like Bon, the like the pre-Tibetan, you know, Buddhist religion uh, in Tibet probably influenced what came after it. Totally. And, and I think, uh, I think with, with that, it's, it's, um, it, it's that's where it's uncharted territory it's it, the online learning thing is is where it's at and um my master actually started a, a school and it's on teachable isn't isn't your platform on teachable too robert yeah yeah, yeah. how are you liking that by the way because um I, so i i like teachable compared to other platforms but it's i'm, I'm also biased because it's the one i know and once yeah. you learn a platform, I'm not likely to want to jump off of that platform to somewhere else unless the price goes up 
some huge fee or there's some sort of functional difference with another platform that makes me want to switch. So it, so it delivers on the objectives that, that you set Teachable, out. For- um, do you have a Facebook business page? Yeah. You can share a photo. You can share a video. You can share some text. Basically, that's what Teachable does. It just does it behind a paywall. Does it make sense? Same, same basic idea. If I could make it simple, it's a little more complicated in the way that it has to be structured and set up and maintained. But yeah, I use teachable. It's a fairly easy uh, platform to learn how to use. You could probably find YouTube tutorials on it. Um, It was the one that uh, a former colleague of mine that I was working with, he, he had used it previously. So he was able to kind of walk me through the beginning until I kind of got my feet wet and then could figure out how to, start mining the platform for what else it could do yeah got it because i was looking into that with using that for the foam rolling stuff too so kind of interested what you know it did take you a while to to learn it or was it pretty easy yeah I, i think it took probably about six months for me to get like to feel like more of an adept where i then had to go read faqs and watch youtube tutorials how to do additional things um the, the initial use of it was quite simple. And then that's gotten to the point where, do you know what a drip course is? No. So this was my just learning curve. So I used to just kind of, I put stuff up on Teachable, people had access. Awesome. And then you start giving it nuance and you add a file and you add some text and you, you add and you add and you add. And then there was a drip course. And the drip course is structured in such a way where, let's say you make a course and there's four lectures and you want those lectures to come out each week. You structure the drip course so that there's a timing sequence for when this is available, and this is available, and this is available. As this lecture becomes available, it also automates an email to that person to let them know that this is available. Does it make sense? Interesting. Okay. So it was like even within just Teachable's platform, I had to learn kind of slowly walking into their platform how to structure some of that material. Got it. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. And looking at different platforms, you know, I just, I have most of my stuff on Facebook as like a free group or whatnot. Um, Just because it it ties them to identities and stuff that I can look at certain social media aspects of it, but I'm kind of looking at maybe taking it off of a Facebook platform at some point, just so that I don't have to rely on it as being the only so platform. here's here's what i would do and this is what i this is what i did okay um keep the group you have now um set up your stuff on teachable and for the people who pay however they do that make a private facebook group for them so the people who are paying you you now have a little facebook group just for them because they're paying you they're, you're giving them more additional content more information you also are able to get information from them about what else they may be interested in. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, I have a lot of brass tacks. <laughs> I'm like, figure it out. <laughs> um, teachable is fairly easy to use. If you have a uh, curriculum and stuff, the other part I noticed was there was a huge shift in my educational process, which is still going on. Um, When I started making materials, what happened was, it's like, it all lives up here in my brain. 
But when I start putting it on paper and I start putting it in video form and I started organizing it on Teachable, you started to see how people learned. And I tend, just like this podcast, uh, this podcast might be two hours long. I have people tell me people won't listen to a two-hour podcast, and I say fans will. Make sense? Totally. So the thing is, is like I tend to be long-winded. Like people keep asking me, like they'll ask me, do you ever have writer's block? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> I mean, I know that that thing exists. That has never been my, my issue. My, I got the gift of gab. So what happens is if, we, if you take something that's long-winded, how do you break it into little sequential pieces? That is a challenge for me. And I'm, and I'm learning because I'm teaching and taking, you know, these long voluminous thoughts and putting it together in a sequence that the students can learn the basic scales so they can start playing jazz. That process in education, I think you'll actually be surprised at how much you learn about yourself and how much you learn about the students if you have a private Facebook group and you can continue feeding them content, interacting with them. Because the students are really the ones that shape my curriculum. You know, they ask a question, and when I start hearing the same question again and again, I go, huh, is my curriculum not addressing that? And then I start making video content related to those questions. Make sense? So, yeah, you're, you're almost, you, it's giving them what they're interested in, really. I mean, yeah. Because that's where I'm, I'm starting to see, okay, well, what do they, what do they want here in, so that you're not talking to a brick wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's, there's complexity, like some people don't like the Facebook groups or, you know, well, I'm not on Facebook, I hear that occasionally, and it's like, listen, I just do the best I can. Facebook groups are fairly easy to use, and they're set up in a very easy to access way, as opposed to me doing what? creating some sort of group on my website that you had to log in like that would be an inordinate amount of work it's much easier to just use facebook to be able to start that process totally and that's where that's that's where i'm i'm thinking to myself well you know if i if i were doing it the textbook way of what these like funnel marketer people would be saying to me would be saying well, you know, build your email list and give them an yeah. opt-in page and, you know, doing it. But people have just gotten so used to logging onto Facebook and, yep. you know, whatever to just. I think Facebook, I, I, I would start even before you got teachable because the Facebook group is free. Like I, I would almost start the Facebook group now if you haven't already. For, um, the, for, the, for the people that are paying clients, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, or however you structured. I mean, it's all up to you. It's just that my free group is free, and it's about there's only like about 51 people in it, and I started yeah. about a year ago. But yeah, I think that probably be a smart idea to kind of make an exclusive kind of different group, and then yeah. start putting more tailored content to them. Because that, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I only know what I do. <laughs> I'm just as limited. Like when you talk about what other marketers would do, um, I think I speak a common language with some of them, but there's a tendency I've noticed where online marketers 
start sometimes, I've noticed an exaggeration where they start to treat people like numbers. They wanna squeeze the algorithm to get more followers, subscribers, people who purchase. And I keep going, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. What about, why don't we just give people more value? Quality. And they're like, wait, wait, but I don't make money. And I'm like, ooh, we have a fundamental, listen, I will use a funnel, like I'll run an ad. I'll use a, a sequence like, you know, of emails or, or whatever it is. Um, it's like, but at the same time, what I think they don't understand is I'm having this podcast with you because you had a Facebook conversation with me. And I said, hey, this is good. This is good stuff. You're asking good questions. You want to come on the podcast? And you were like, oh, wow, sure. Yeah. Are you, because we've done this podcast and because we've shared and talked with each other, are you now much more likely to eventually purchase some of my educational materials or curriculum? Absolutely. Because it's about connection. Relationships. Yes. And that, and this digital relationship is the thing that I think a lot of therapists just don't see. And then digital markers see it, but it's like marketers see it, but they're trying to like they're trying to extract, yeah. you know, money out of the clients. And it's like, okay, sure. I do in fact want people to pay me so that I can continue building. But in the end, it's always going to go back to the fact that people buy from me because they like, know, and trust me. If they don't, if I treated you like you're just waiting for me to get another payday, you know, like look, when, the, when the client, the students are like, Hey man, I, you know, I need a refund. That class is canceled. And I go, Hey, uh, Daniel, listen, uh, I'm, I'm going to refund your money. Just give me some time. I'm just like everybody else. I'm working out my finances. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. That little bit of communication about that process, about me valuing the fact that he wants his money back and that he, he values the fact that I'm doing all this additional labor to refund him even though the class didn't happen, that connection builds a sort of trust and a sort of digital intimacy that I think is real. People can tell through my social media that Robert is just a real guy. And I really bank yep. in a financial sense from that. One, it's lazy for me to be authentic. Don't have to put on a facade. Don't have to dress up. Don't have to cut my hair. Just be me. The other part is heart and actual connection and caring about people translates into sales long term. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, that's the things that they can't really teach you though. And talk about like how America was founded, you know, but I remember when I was growing up as a little kid, you know, at the, at the local like true value hardware store that was owned by the family of the, you know, the, the, the kid that you went to school with, you know, it's, it's kind of like that kind of relationship where you go, I know, I know Robert, you know, I have a relationship with him. I'm not looking at you like you're some other big box store, you know, like company, you know, yeah. or corporation like that's, you know, that, that, that doesn't provide or really care about that, that, uh, that relationship. But it's like, yeah, like those marketers do like to kind of squeeze out that from the, the transaction. And it's, it's not a, it's, they're all about scaling, uh, things. Whereas, you know, I think your scales, but it may be 
more of a different trajectory. And uh, I, I do think, and I'm, I'm dealing with digital distribution of information. I, I'm painfully aware of the fact that this scales globally. And listen, this is the battle I've been fighting for years. Our subscription service is run for three years. It is basically free for your first month. You put in a credit card, but it's not going to bill you for a month. You can unsubscribe at any time. I have had people that have worked with me that I pay fight me tooth and nail because they want me to raise the subscription fee of $7. They're like, you're not making any money. And I'm like, I just paid you, not the other way around. Like, I do yeah. make money. I just make $7 a month. And they're like, but that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense to you because you're not an entrepreneur and you're trying to make sausage. You're trying to jump on top and push people down and like run them through a grinder to extract money out of them. I'm saying go find more people. Go find more people who like what I do. Light you have hand. access to a global marketplace. I'm not doing a massage. I'm selling information. And more hands make light work, right? Or in terms of like, if you're, if you're wanting to, if you, if you did want to like uh, make it more expensive for your subscription service a month, yeah, it, it just, it, I, I think more people would opt in to spend the $7 a month versus. So the, let's say it was a hundred, let's say it's a hundred dollars a month. And I think what I offer, by the way, is worth $100 a month. I absolutely think that. Why do I not raise the fee to $100 a month? Uh, why wouldn't you? Well, I think you would, you would probably, you'd probably alienate uh, a, a, a potential big-time market there from you know, make in making it more expensive would be, there's a whole lot of implications there, but it's, 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 you want it to be available globally, not just to yes. a certain specific. Yes. And here's the thing. People think that I'm just trying to hit the U S marketplace where I understand that therapists who make income probably could afford a hundred dollars a month but I have to provide them enough value at $100 a month, which is a more difficult and challenging proposition, one. The other part is when you're in other countries like Australia, Australia is an English speaking country. People in Australia, in addition to that $7, they add on a tax. It might cost somebody in Australia $11 a month. And I can't do anything about that tax. That's their country doing that, does it make sense? Yeah. Somebody can be in Madras in India. Can they afford $7 a month when you go through the exchange rate? And if there are taxes in India, can you afford it? If you live somewhere in Siberia, can you afford it? If you live in the Southern tip of, you know, Argentina, I'm looking at a global marketplace. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in trying to just limit myself to the United States I'm actually trying to mass distribute something globally. 
I'm not interested in just hitting a US marketplace. My mm-hmm. goal is to teach in Istanbul, to teach in Tokyo, to teach in South Africa. My goal is to have somebody on their phone, you know, Instagram messaging me from sub-Saharan Africa because they're telling me that they're working on people in their village and making money doing what I teach. That's what I do. That's awesome. That yeah. has a lot of uh, that has a lot of implications. Just uh, it, it just makes a whole lot more sense when you when you talk about it that way instead of. It's funny that we were talking about just like the U.S. like landscape in terms of like legal stuff, but like this this the way that you're teaching it really could be, you know, teaching some doctor in some remote place how to do it a certain way, and then. Yeah. Yeah, or or someone that isn't even a doctor, someone that's you know just learning it. From well, the it also if you have a country in poverty, and I'm just I'm going to make an assumption here. Um, I've got a couple of subscribers from Colombia. I think one from Bogota and another from Medellin. But let's say you were in a small town in Colombia, but you still had internet access, and mm-hmm. you're from a poor family in like a little shanty town. You know, I'm talking about like third world poverty, not not U.S. poverty, third world poverty. Could someone learn something from me that they can use on their friends and family and loved ones for seven bucks a month? My hope is yes. And really, that's what I'm going towards. It's not just not just not, I'm not I'm not getting rid of American massage therapists, but I think those people need it just as much, if not more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like the public, you know, in, in, in Bogota or Medellin, you know, it's like, that's the sort of thing that I keep looking at that. Um, I went from delivering a service that was hands-on in person. There was no way for me to do it otherwise to selling digital information products globally those are two very, very different businesses. And I think that's been some of the fundamental confusion with the massage industry. People still look at it like Robert's a massage therapist. And I'm like, "Uh, I mean, yeah, like I still see clients, but that's not what I'm really primarily trying to do forever. Definitely. Well, it's been, it's been a very, uh, very great conversation. And, uh, I definitely am looking forward to um, to looking at more of your stuff in your in your content in your class. I think I have an account with you, uh, but yeah, seven dollars is not is not a lot of money. That's for sure. And there's there's a lot of a lot of content that you that you have out there. I'm really interested to check out more of your videos and stuff that you've made in that kind of content. Um, so I, I look forward to looking that up more and uh, keeping in contact with you. But uh, I appreciate your time and uh, uh, gonna probably eat some dinner here. I'm, I'm getting a little uh, getting a little uh, hungry. But uh, how long how long we been at it? I think for almost about two hours. Yep. Coming up in the hour. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was great. So cool. Do you have any questions before we uh, before we head out of here? Uh, really, I, you know, I, I, I think the massage entrepreneurs group, um, I want, I want to look at what people's re- final responses are in those numbers, but it's, I'm looking at it from like, a, 
uh, a marketing standpoint, it's like, oh, well, how about is this group? They're more kind of more in that probably that massage therapist mindset. But yes, absolutely. My question would just be, you know, moving forward, you know, can, uh, you know, can I continue to look into this group a little bit more to see if I can learn anything from a marketing standpoint? I, I guess, you know, do I, I, I think in, in the in the future, I, I think if I message you and and kind of uh, ask you questions, will you be continuing to take questions like that? I guess. Oh sure, yeah. And th the reason I take those questions is one, I like forming connections with other people and other therapists, and really, to me, I, I think about this constantly. I make money because I will talk to people on Facebook Messenger you're much more likely to eventually buy a class or an online class or whatever, or assist me in some way because we had this sort of exchange. And that's why I keep my inbox open uh, to being able to communicate with subscribers or fans because fans and followers are the people who wind up paying me and becoming clients and students. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again, Robert. Yeah. So listen, can you tell everybody where they can find you again? Yeah, so I am, uh, I got my Blue Tiger Wellness page on Facebook, uh, as well as my Foam Rolling Secrets group on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Foam Rolling Secrets. If you're interested in learning about foam rolling and uh, getting in contact with your body, um, I'm calling it the new self-massage is the new yoga, but oh my gosh, like, Better not call it massage, but I'm calling it self-massage as a new yoga is kind of my tagline. Um, and <laughs> uh, But uh, other than that, you can find me on Instagram, Blue Tiger Wellness, and Minds as well. I'm starting to use Minds a little bit more often, um, I'm, as I'm sure you are probably as well, Robert. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. You can contact me. My personal page is Brendan Brown. That's B-R-E-N-D-E-N, -E and last name is Brown as well. Cool. So listen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I really, really appreciated all the camaraderie and discussion. Uh, I'll talk to all of you again soon, and thank you for participating and viewing, listening to the Robert Garden Wellness Podcast.